Hello, uh, this is Courtney Boyd Myers. We're here in the makeshift shed for the Shedcast, our ongoing podcast series. Today, I am very grateful. Deborah Ripple has come by to hang out. She's the director of Up Europe, which is the company behind Startup Weekend, Startup Digest, and Next. Deborah, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Courtney. So, Deborah, we met a few years ago in Google Campus when you were all by yourself, kind of just, you know, getting Startup Weekend off the ground in Europe. How did you even find Startup Weekend? What were you doing at the time when they plucked you out and chose you as their leader? <laughs> That's nice. I actually chose them more than chose me at the beginning. But what happened is that I was kind of dragged at Startup Weekend by one of my friends, one of my good friends that was basically saying, like, you need to go. You'll love it. You're such a geek. And I was like... Really, it's not for me. Like, it's just a bunch of entrepreneurs. They'll be, you know, four years old plus. Like, I'm not going to fit. And she really convinced me. I booked my tickets two hours before the event. And I went there thinking that I would help out for coffee. I was like, you know, with that mindset of like, okay, I'll just, you know, look at what they're doing. And then it just turns out that I really loved it. I, I had like, you know, eyes wide open the whole time. I got so enthusiastic that I actually didn't sleep the whole weekend. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> it was, it was kind of crazy. We ended up winning. So, you know, started beginning at, you know, the core of um, the event itself from a participant standpoint is, is a competition. So we won the event, which obviously got me really excited. I'm actually really, yeah, sad to say, but I, I actually cried on stage. I know it's kind of silly, right? But, you know, it got me really emotional in the sense that I realized that I could be emotional about, about my work, about what I was producing. So I decided to become Startup Ken's first groupie. And what was your idea? So the idea back then was, it's called Jimmy Philly. It's actually still up and running. It's an e-commerce for glasses. It's kind of the Warby Parker model with you know, buy one, give one to somebody you need. So each pair of glasses, you give one to um, somebody who needs them. I really love the social aspect of it. It wasn't me pitching it, but I joined the team and I really, you know, I like glasses and I like the social aspect of it. So I jumped in. Afterwards, I joined Startup at the end of the day raised something like 200,000 euros and then even more after and now they're still up and running and they have a couple of shops in France. So yeah, I'm really proud. I'm actually wearing some Jimmy Phillies right now. That's amazing. Oh, fantastic. So at the time, were you in Paris when this happened or were you in London? Um, I actually was in the South France. I'm originally from Paris, but I've been st studying and living and working in the South France for a couple of years um, before moving here. I was in Montpellier. Yeah, gorgeous city, lots of sun, but not a lot of startups. So when I got hired to open the first European office for Startup Weekend, uh, obviously there was a choice of like, where do we go? Because Infoli was just not the right spot for that. And it was kind of like a gut feeling that London would be the best spot for it. So we just moved here and at first it was just me based out of Starbucks. And it was kind of funny, but we also were like, you know, so grassroots back then that we, you know, everything was open new opportunities, new things. And it was you know great to be able to be there, to be part of that moment. So you were building the team alone for about a year. Tell us a bit about building out the team, making those first hires and, and how you've maintained company culture uh, since then. That's a great question. You know, it's it's been actually the most wonderful part of it. And I had absolutely no experience in it before. I actually was a recruiter before, so I had experience in hiring people. But it's different when you're hiring for somebody else and when you're hiring for yourself. I discovered that, like, wholly different. So I think one thing that we did right was that the first hires we made, um, external hires, were people that were part of our community. So that really helps. Just like, you know, one of the rules to organize a startup weekend is to have participated at one. 
for me, you know, our role as an organization is to support the community leaders. So to be some of you know, that support, you have to be a community leader first to be able to put yourself in their shoes. So that's what we did. And I think it really, you know, kicked off really easily with amazing people. Now we're five. Most of them have, you know, been organizers before. So we have you know, a deep understanding of and a deep passion for it as well. It makes everything so easier, you know, when everybody loves what they're doing. It's hard to, to sort of inspire people, though. How, how do you do that? I think somehow in you know, the story that I just told you about how I started and how, you know, it really kicked my butt to go to the first event and, and even to admit it, you know, the first year, how hard it was at the beginning to be myself, uh, I think that really helps. I think they understand, they see, you know, why I'm doing that. And, and I also have like a deep connection with them. They know that I want the best for them. So, you know, I never say like, hey, can you do that? Or can you do that? Can you do that? It's really like, hey, how can I help you? And I've learned that myself, you know, from my own boss and from the CEO of Startup and they always do that. We have that inverted pyramid rule. Uh, so for us, at the core, at the very top of the pyramid, is you know, the community leaders. So all the startup heroes we have all around the world. And you know it all goes down to us and the core team and, and how we support them. So we have that even internally as well. That's fantastic. And so let's talk a little bit about how Startup Weekend has now grown into Up Global. What's underneath the Up Global umbrella? What prompted that rebrand, really? So there was a couple of things that prompted it. I think one of them originally was about a year and a half when we acquired Startup Digest. So Startup Digest was also a nonprofit um, newsletters inspiring entrepreneurs around the world. So that was very interesting because we had a lot of you know, communities in common and we decided to merge those two. So that's, that's been great. Uh, so that was one of the things as well is that we started being not only Startup Weekend, but also Startup Digest. So that obviously had to you know, open a bit in our minds on it what we were doing, different programs. We actually started calling them that way. Before that, we you know, we were just starting again. Then we started launching our own programs as well. So Next is one of them, the pre-accelerator program. They also was last year, the merger with Startup America, which was very interesting is that you know, they had a very you know, like top-down approach. We had a very bottom-up approach and we decided that you know, those two would work out together. So that was also super interesting, but you know, all those things, we also realized that we need to have more clarity in our branding. So that's, you know, the you know, very straightforward, you know, you need to have something that's clear that represents you, that people understand who you are, who you present as an organization. I would say the more philosophical and, you know, very kind of like long-term goal is that we want to empower entrepreneurs with a lot of things and startup is not the only thing we want to offer. So our internal programs are going to be there for that, but also everything we can, you know, help with externally as well. So we have a lot of ideas on how we want to support other organizations, how we're going to support uh, more community, you know, local communities. You know, we have a couple of things in our in our pockets that we're going to be launching soon. And up global, it, does that just up and up and up, or is that the UP stand for something? It's it's up and up and up. Okay, great. And you know, you, you talked about community being at the sort of the top of you know, the inverted pyramid of what you guys do. And I've noticed that you guys have a, a really amazing platform where you showcase what a lot of the startups are doing through really interesting content pieces. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that's part of your growth strategy and what goes on there? That's spot on. That's totally part of our you know, growth strategy. We really want to shed the light, let's shed light uh, more on the communities and local communities. And, you know, there's so many local organizers that tell us what we want is to, you know, really put the spotlight on our role models. We want to have more role models locally. And that, I think that's important for any type of community. 
So if we can help with you know, doing that both on a, you know, by giving them a platform to do that locally, but also to do that in a way that internationally they start you know, having more visibility on it as well, I think it could be interesting. So we're starting to have a lot more volunteers also writing for us on top of you know, putting all those hours and organizing amazing programs. They also start you know, writing and, and telling us what we need to do in a way. It's very important to have that bottom up. Approach, yeah, definitely. So, in your in your uh, time at the Startup Weekend, you've organized fifteen hundred events, which is, I'm just sure, exhausting to to fathom. What advice do you have for people who are just starting out and running their own startup events? It's mm, a really, really good question. I think they should look for support and for other members members of the community to help them out. It's a great resource, and sometimes I think we forget that we all are in the same boat and that it's important to help one another out. So I've been talking to a lot of other event organizations here in London, for example, and, you know, they ask some of our recipes, how did you scale? You know, they want to go to other cities. They don't know how to trust other organizers. There's those challenges when you start, you know, running an event and, and scaling it. And I think people sometimes forget that you know, other organizations have done it. So one of our roles in the future will also be to do that, not only with us, but, you know, connecting. You have an idea for an event. It turns out that I know somebody who did it with exactly the same theme, but in another city. Right. Uh, what I connect you. So those things, I think, look at what's happening internationally. Other events might, might have been run on the same theme. And, you know, why not just give them a call? Yeah, great idea. In your local community. Excellent. And so in doing those 1,500 events, you've traveled to 120 countries. That is crazy. Your passport must be thick. So, you know, out of out of the more up-and-coming countries and cities in the world, which have surprised you the most or inspired you the most in their growth potential? So looking at Europe, because obviously that's personally one of my biggest interests, I would say what's interesting is to see the growth and the differences between like Western Europe and Eastern Europe. There are definitely different challenges. I mean, Western Europe is looking for more developers, while Eastern Europe is looking to, you know, have the developers be entrepreneurs and not only you know, outsourcing potential and you hear that a lot from them, and I think it's there's so much potential for those two regions to actually start talking to one another. What I also see as like huge potential is the smaller cities. You know, for us, it's interesting to have an impact in London, Paris, or Berlin. But when you start looking at small communities that didn't have anything two years ago, they didn't even know what the word startup meant, and now they're starting to have startup meetups. They might not be, you know, the next Silicon Valley, and I, and I hate when people say that. Me too. But, you know, support network is super important. Like, that's what they need, you know. They're not all looking to become Silicon Valley, but they're looking to build something in their community and have that connection that will help them. So, I mean, that's a, a good point. What do you think makes a successful startup ecosystem? That's a great question. There's a lot of ingredients. One of them that was brought up by, by uh, Brad Feld in Startup Communities, which really, really good book, is the um, give before you get type mentality. So, you know, there's a lot of things that people say are missing in certain communities, like, you know, funding and mentoring and all those things are true. But I think it all goes back to um, that sense of, you know, I want to help you out. And it kind of summarizes everything as well. You know, as an investor, it's just more trust in the startups that are around you. As a mentor, it's just you know, give more of your time and you will come back. <laughs> I think I think that's like really important. That's like that before you get mentality it's really important it's awesome so of all the places that you've traveled if you were going to live in any other city in the world other than london where would it be 
Oh, it is really hard. <laughs> I didn't really like the south of France. <laughs> More sunny. Yeah, of course. I understand that. So recent partnerships that have just catapulted up global into the spotlight, um, Google and the U.S. State Department. I mean, if you could have two people on your side of the, uh, the boxing ring, those would be it. Can you tell us a little bit about first the Google Entrepreneurs Program and then the State Department and what's going on there? So I would say for Google, it's, it's incredible to see how our goals are aligned. It's actually the Google for Entrepreneurs part of Google that's supporting us. And really, like, we have the same goals. And that's what's beautiful. That, you know, they just want more entrepreneurs. They want to support them. And we're just, you know, they're making those connections. So I think it's, it's been really magic. Obviously, they also have a great brand, which means that locally, organizers, I think, are able to, you know, have more support for the local event when they say, you know, globally, that's supported by Google. So the branding aspect is just, you can't really neglect it. It's actually also really important. And what kind of support do they give you? Is it financial or venue space or, you know, the, the mentorship? Google is one of our, I mean, globally. Yeah. Um, globally, Google is one of our galaxy sponsors. So basically they also support us financially, but I think what we get that's like the most out of it is really that support network and those local connections. Did you call them your galactic sponsor? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. We, <laughs> we had a little rocket when we launched this sponsorship and we, we announced it because oh. it's true. That's how we see it. It's of course. So more, you know, so much more powerful than anything you could do. It's, you know, those connections. Actually, we have campus anniversary, Google campus's anniversary next week. Good point in the conversation. Just say if, if you're in London on Thursday, March 27th, there's a big party going on for, for Up Global. If you mention this podcast, you, you get in for free. <laughs> so, so tell me, you know, the State Department, Obama or, or someone at Obama's State Department has said that he's going to support your expansion into a thousand cities by 2016. What is that going to look like for you guys on, on the ground and as a business? So actually, our pride and joy was that Obama himself actually said it. He did. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Like, quote of him. Obviously, we were all, you know, open. We looked at it. We're like, that's incredible. <laughs> I think that support also is very, very meaningful. I think especially in the U.S., that partnership will, will, will matter. Worldwide, obviously, we're you know, excited to see that support. I think locally, the fact that they trusted us with Startup America was amazing because originally that was an initiative from the White House. And, you know, them basically saying, you know, we trust you, we know what you've been doing so far and the impact you've been having entrepreneurs and we're giving you our, you know, baby in a way. So that's, yeah, along those, along those things, I think it's really those two things, the fact that they allowed us to work on Startup America and also the you know, U.S. State Department support. I think all those things are very encouraging for us. Sure. And and what would be the equivalent of that if you were to be granted by, you know, David Cameron or the United Nations or whatever to get the same sort of expansion happening in Europe? Or or is it already happening? Actually, it is. Yeah. <laughs> they were announcing on Thursday. And that's awesome that you uh, touched base on that because actually it's the European Commission supporting us. So we have a lot of things we want to work on them. So first, you know, we're helping them with some of the programs that they have, one of them being Startup Europe. So kind of their equivalent of Startup America. Yeah. So we're helping them on that, but also on a lot of other things. Um, they have a developer platform that they've been building that they want more you know, customer development than on. So we're you know, working with the European Commission on customer development. It's really fun. Congratulations. That's awesome news. I mean, you know, from here, the Asia, South America, and then, you know, Startup Antarctica, when's that? Excellent. And so in all of your time looking at, you know, potentially if, if you've done 1,500 events, you've reached, you know, how many entrepreneurs? I mean, are we in the millions yet? Um, 
I, Not yet. We're more around, I would say, 200,000 entrepreneurs. And I would say entrepreneurs, you know, right now with a small any one day, maybe with a B. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's a great differentiation. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. So in looking at these, you know, hundreds of people every weekend that are coming through your doors at Startup Weekend, what are the qualities that you observe that do make a successful entrepreneur as they go on to start their businesses? So it's gonna sound really you know, pretty to say that, but actually people you know, being really nice um totally is a game changer. Because throughout the event and you know it's interesting to see it from like a psychology standpoint, but when you go to the event, you see that people go on stage, the one that pitched their ideas, you know, you can have a, you know, really closely awesome idea if you're a jerk on stage, it just doesn't go, you don't get team members. So very first step, that's what it sounds to everybody, be fun and nice. And that, that really, really helps. And then I guess being passionate about your idea also totally makes a deal because then that's when you start inspiring not only team members, but potential investors and, you know, people that see it in your eyes that you trust. Right. Um, so I would say those qualities are like really important. More soft skills, but yeah. Oh, interesting. Do you think that being an entrepreneur and a business leader is something that everyone can achieve, or is it a certain personality type that lends itself uh, better for it? I think everybody can achieve it, really. I think it's just a matter of being put in the right spot at the right time. It's like it's like everything. Not everybody can do it because there's circumstances that just make you, you know, more able to you know, create a company. But I guess, yeah, everybody can, can achieve it. It's just a matter of wanting it and you know, having a chance to experience a bit of it of, you know, artists understanding what it means. And you touched on this, but really putting yourself in the right place at the right time is a lot of what luck is about, right? So how do you sort of with that in mind lead your own life and your own career? What, what are some, you know, do you say yes to everything? What, what, you know, what does your gut tell you? Do you follow that all the time? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, kind of. I, I don't say yes to everything all the time. I used to, when I moved to London, I was going to a networking event every single day because I wanted to meet as many people as I could. It gets really exhausting and you have to think, you know, long term a bit. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So you want to you know, take care of yourself. So that's, I would say you don't, uh, you probably shouldn't go too far in that extent and say yes to everything, but at least be really positive about opportunities. And yes, like gut feeling. You, you know, following and like, that's my favorite thing in the world. I, I love following my gut feeling and a lot of the decisions I make are just based on that. You know, we talked a lot about, you know, saying yes to everything and the importance of a good startup ecosystem is one where, you know, you're giving before you get and mentorship and, but, but it, this stuff can be really exhausting too. You know, the other day I had a woman ask me, Hey, I have a friend who's in DC who was offered a job in London and she doesn't know what it's like to split her time between two cities. Can I put you in touch with her? And I actually said no, because I, she wanted 10 minutes of my time and I don't even have 10 minutes to talk to my parents a lot. And I don't even know this person, right? If it was a friend, of course, or if it was someone, but it was this random person in DC. So, you know, you got to take yourself into consideration a lot. You've recently been interviewed about that. And so I just want to hear from you, like, how are you working to achieve a better work-life balance and, and sort of take yourself into consideration more and, and what is essentially the most selfless job in the Europe startup ecosystem? <laughs> I think it's really interesting because it's all a matter of thinking about it strategically. It's like everything, you know, you want to achieve a goal and if you know, having a better work-life balance I don't like that expression either, but you know, at least taking more care of yourself is one of them. Then you just need to think about it strategically. And that's kind of what I did. I think in a way, having like more routines, that's people trying to have you know, crazy experiences. When you're lucky enough that you have those crazy experiences coming to you, sometimes you just want to, you know, relax, go to the gym every morning and that's it. 
you know, so that having more of a routine is really important. And another thing that I think you do really well, Courtney, is those people that I reached out to you, sometimes it's like having, uh, reading one of your blog posts. That's what I did. I, I sent them a blog post. <laughs> and I think it's, it's brilliant because it's about being just more efficient with your time. You want to give people advice. You want to share things with them instead of repeating the same things you know, 20 times. You just write about it and you share your experiences. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately you'll help people more and you'll have more time for yourself. Absolutely. You're scaling yourself through writing. I like that. So kind of thinking about what we were talking about with successful entrepreneurs and doubtless you've, you've seen a lot of failure in your experience and, um, and how do you help people handle that failure and, and prepare them for it in a sense? That's a really good question. I think, you know, I was saying that one of the ingredients of somebody you know, to be successful with their startup ideas or just to be entrepreneurs, uh, an entrepreneur, it's that, um, you know, they have to be passionate about their idea. Ultimately, sometimes it plays against you because when you're too passionate about it, you have you know, your um, heads in the books, I guess. Like yeah. But I think it really can yeah, obliviate you from the like, advice that you're receiving on it. So I would say, you know, accept failure also in the sense that, you know, listen to what's being you know, said around you about you know, how you can improve things. And I guess ultimately, if you just realize that you know, something that you're doing is just totally, totally impossible, but not even legal, because I see that sometimes. <laughs> How great it is. Oh, it's not legal. What do I do? Oops. <laughs> um, so I guess in those types of failures, we just, you know, ask people, A, so like, what's your next step? You know, like, what do you want to do? Like, do you not want to join another team? And that's what happens every Friday at every startup weekend. You know, we have people that pitch ideas. Usually it's about 30% of the attendees, but we only select 10 to 15 ideas. We select them just by you know, popular um, votes. Right. So it means that a lot of ideas get rejected in a way, quotes. But you know, in a way, I think for people to realize that you know they can fail and that you know, they can just bounce back with you know learning uh, with somebody else and then somebody else's team is kind of like one way to to go around that for sure. Maybe in two or three years time, whatever it is, when you're ready for the, maybe the next thing. I mean, let's just say you were going to start your own business and go to startup weekend to, you know, put your MVP together. What would that business be? Oh, that's a really tricky question. <laughs> so I consider startup weekend to be like my, like really my, my baby. And in a way I don't kind of allow myself enough to think about other um, opportunities. I think it would be something related to psychology and like people's behavior. That's something that I've always been interested in. I also was recruited before, so something related to that I think would be probably one of my interests. Ultimately, you know, I say all the time to people, oh, you should jump on it, you should be an entrepreneur, like right now. I think I would take this safe road and I would probably just start along, you know, my job and basically have something on the side and then jump on it. I know it sounds a bit, you know, yeah, chickened out that, you know, that I'm saying that you shouldn't just jump straight away, but I think it's a good, uh, it's a good thing to start with, you know, having something on the side and then building on it. Yeah. And, and what a great opportunity to be in such an entrepreneurial environment that you're supportive of that. And I'm sure numerous of your employees will, will leave and do things. I mean, that's just what happens in this ecosystem, right? So we're going to wrap. I mean, this is just, Deborah, you're fantastic. I'm so happy that you came in today and the timing worked out so well. So again, anyone listening, huge party, Thursday the 27th. Don't know if you guys are really blowing it up, but <laughs> it's a Google campus, right? And so, you know, just 
going to be a really special time for your company, but also a really special time for like the London tech ecosystem too. So thank you so much for joining. Uh, Makeshift Shedcast, Deborah Ripple. Follow her on Twitter at Deborah Ripple. And uh, yeah, thanks again.